Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. Good morning. Joe McLean here. Got a great program lined up. Emily Alcrez is back in the studio, and uh, good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Praise God, I'm alive, and that counts, doesn't it? It does. It sure does. Now, you're getting ready to head out. You're going back home for uh, for Christmas, I guess. That's right. I'm visiting my parents in Chicago. Chicago, mm-hmm. the windy city. Yep, uh, that's right. What is you it said now? It was because of the politicians, right? Not because of right, actual wind. They're full of wind, right? <laughs> <laughs> but then it would be hot, hot air, yep. and it's not. It's cold. It is cold in Chicago. Yeah. Although it's been pretty cold in Houston, too. Going to take in a midnight mass, Emily? Oh, absolutely. It's my favorite. Yeah. So excited. So they're allowing that there? They're still having midnight masses in Chicago? It. I think it depends on where you go. I'm not mm. quite sure. But well, yeah. praise God. We're hoping to do a midnight mass. It'll mm. probably be crowded. And uh, praise God for that. Yeah, but, praise uh, God. We'll look forward to having you back next week in the studio. Uh, Adrian Fonseca, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you doing? Praise God I'm alive. And that counts. Uh, now, we have a new uh, volunteer today. Absolutely. Tell us who you brought. My friend, Leah Moreau. She a graduate from Franciscan University. Uh, bachelor's in Theology and Communications. Uh, so the exact same as me. We're basically the same person, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Leah, good morning to you. Thanks for being on the program today. Thank you so much. I'm happy uh, to be here. So you're you're doing the video switching for us on yes, uh, social media. Well, we appreciate that. We're very grateful to you. And you may answer a phone call or two, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. Well, if uh, dear listener, if you're going to be a part of our program, especially in the next hour, for if you're able to join us and do the uh, trivia game show, it'll be Leah answering the call. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, in this hour, though, a wonderful program lined up. Dana Chang from the Epic Times will be on our show. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, she is the, uh, the vice president, one of the senior editors for the e- Is it Epoch or Epic? I think it's Epoch. I've heard both, but I think Epic makes more sense. Yeah. I say Epic all the time, and uh, but I'm pretty sure it's epoch so maybe we'll we'll get her to correct us yeah there you go Uh, but uh, we're going to be talking about china again in this first hour uh the red dragon is on the move and i think it's very important conversation to have uh dana grew up in wuhan by the way and so she is going to be a wonderful insight into understanding the risks she put out uh i think it was a a post last week or something about uh, warning america uh, of what's to come in the uh, the CCP march to conquer the world. And so we're going to be discussing that with her a little bit today. Uh, plus, the cons- What's Concerning Us segment will be coming up after the Gospel and Saint of the Day and the breaking news and headlines. And uh, there's several stories that I want to talk about. I don't know, Emily, do you have any stories on the hook there? Plenty. Plenty. <laughs> this uh, censorship, I think, is among the top. But also, did you do you have any idea how many... Hundreds of millions of dollars from this big fancy coronavirus relief bill that they're passing is going overseas, not even staying to help Americans, but going overseas to some crazy things. We'll talk about some of that in the What's Concerning Us and uh, that plus much more. And again, if, if you can join us in the next hour, Eric Sammons will be our guest next hour to talk about the old 
evangelization as compared to the new one. So all of that on today's Catholic Drive Time. Let's begin by drawing ever so close to our Lord by bringing our intentions uh, together. So whatever you're facing today, whatever your needs are, material or financial or spiritual, whatever challenges you face or whatever anxieties you have, let's bring them all. Let's collect them. I'm praying for our team here. I'm praying for our equipment and our show today, our guests. I'm praying for the needs of our radio apostolate, and uh, let's, let's bring them together, and let's offer them to Our Lady, that she may whisper them into the ear of her Son, that he may draw us ever so more intimately into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother, to thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. On Monday, Congress passed a $900 billion COVID-19 relief bill. The relief package includes a $600 direct stimulus payment to most Americans. Congress also passed a $1.4 trillion annual federal spending package to keep the federal government funded for another year. Totaling $2.3 trillion, the year-end government funding package that includes the COVID-19 relief comes to 5,593 pages, by far the longest bill ever. If the bill is signed by President Trump, a government shutdown would be averted. A group of anti-lockdown pro-Trump protesters forced their way into the Oregon Capitol on Monday. The Daily Mail reported some of the protesters gathered outside the Capitol were armed with black rifles and handguns. Photos in both articles show a woman armed with a U.S. flag on a pitchfork. Reports indicate that the police had to use pepper spray and arrested at least two people during the demonstration. A new strain of COVID-19 has been detected in Australia. The new mutant strain that has forced the United Kingdom to go into lockdown was also detected in Australia in late November, according to the New South Wales health officials. Newly appointed Chief Medical Officer for Australia, Dr. Paul Kelly, said on Tuesday that the coronavirus had been continuously undergoing thousands of mutations since its discovery in Wuhan, China. Kelly explained the UK strain, which is currently circulating in Southeast United Kingdom, has some particular mutations related to the spike protein, which could cause issues with the vaccines. Australia will not be closing the border to the UK, although all Australians returning from the UK are required to undergo 14 days of mandatory hotel quarantine. In a controversial statement on Monday, the Vatican gave its stamp of approval to the new coronavirus vaccines. The Vatican Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith stated that it is morally acceptable to receive the COVID-19 vaccines, even if they have been produced using cell lines from aborted fetuses. The statement specified that in countries where vaccines without ethical problems are unavailable to physicians and patients, or where their distribution is more difficult due to special storage or transport conditions, then vaccines made using the cells of aborted babies are okay. Aborted fetal cells were used in tests during the early stages of the mRNA vaccines developed by Moderna and Pfizer. These are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. 
Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. A blessed Thomas Holland, pray for us. Uh, born in England in the 17th century, around 1600, actually. Um, grew up, his father was uh, Richard Holland, a landed gentleman, so obviously he, he was doing pretty good financially, didn't have to want for a whole lot. He ended up studying in France and in Spain, but uh, he joined the Jesuits, which, as you might recall, Henry VIII and his daughter Elizabeth made uh, made becoming Catholic or being Catholic or practicing your Catholic faith uh, illegal in the United Kingdom at the time. So he would study with the Jesuits in Belgium, and he would become ordained in 1624 there, and go on to become a parish priest. But eventually, 10 years later, in 1634, he did return to his home country of England by cover of darkness, so to speak, where he would minister to Catholics living on the run, living in, uh, you know, little priest hiding holes and saying clandestine masses and hearing confessions and the like. And uh, he did this for a while until he was eventually arrested in 1642, it was October at the time. And because he refused to cooperate in the trial and the proceedings, he was uh, summarily convicted of being a priest, the crime of being a Catholic priest. And he was sentenced to die. While he was awaiting his execution, he, of course, took the opportunity to share the good, the true, and the beautiful, the powerful message of salvation through the Catholic faith with the prisoners. And then they hung, they drawed, and quartered him on 12 December 1642 in Tyburn in England. Blessed Thomas Holland, pray for us. And now the gospel for today comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. But today I'm going to read from the Douay Rames. Um, just because of the sake of verse 46 alone, I'm going to go ahead and shoot for the, from the Douay Rames. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior, because he hath regarded the humility of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, because he that is mighty hath done great things to me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is from generation unto generation to them that fear him. He hath showed might in his arm. He hath scattered the proud in their conceit of their heart. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath received Israel his servant, being mindful of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months, and she returned to her own house. The Gospel of the Lord. I love that verse 46 in particular. It's always struck me. It's always stood out to me. Uh, ever since I went down this journey so many years ago, back in 2003, uh, 2002, 2003, of discovering the Catholic faith and really trying to answer the tough questions. Why does the church teach this or that when the Bible says this or that? Those kinds of, that was my journey at the time. And Mary was always a roadblock for me. But when you really dive into these passages from Luke's Gospel, I think uh, in you, you take the time to pay attention to the details in particular. Uh, verse 46 is the one that stood out a lot. 
And she's because she says here, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Now, the the NAB, which you would hear at Holy Mass, would be my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. The reason why I like the Douay Rheims better is because you get this very clear image in your mind reading the Douay Rheims version that her soul is is purely and perfectly radiating God himself. Now, I think a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we sit and we, we think about maybe, uh, if we think about the good things that we do or, 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 or maybe the best features or qualities of our, of our spiritual pious life or our, our personalities or what have you, uh, we could think, we can say some good things. But I, I doubt that if we're honest, that we could all proclaim this verse as our own in the same and pure way that Mary could. She's so special and she gives all the credit to God. She takes none for herself. She gives all the credit to God. And she even says, I mean, think about the humility it would take to be able to proclaim, all generations shall call me blessed. I mean, on the surface, it sounds very egotistical, self-centered, but in the reality, it's, it's humble. Why? Because it's humble to admit our state. It's humble to admit our, our, our role and to be honest and true to that. And she is the kekaritomene as the, uh, Archangel Gabriel proclaimed her to be the full of grace. And uh, so she has a very special role as the, the Gibirah in the Old Testament. Uh, Solomon's mom was called the Gibirah. And every mother of the king all the way down to the Babylonian exile was called the Gibirah. It was an office that was possessed by the mother of the king. And so Mary is the new Gibirah, and her son is the uh, son of David. And, uh, and we see this beautiful passage here where she gives her Magnificat. And it's just so incredibly humbling and uh, and wonderful to see uh, God's design, and it shines from her very soul to the whole world. And I just I'm so blown away by that verse. Adrian, what'd you get? Yeah. So uh, people always ask me like, why are you always quoting other people? Uh, because I have no good ideas of my own. So I, I was just, just saying I, that about you too. <laughs> you know, it's you, funny. You've you been talking to my parents? No. Well, oh, okay. Maybe. Well. <laughs> I was reading a Lapide because he's much smarter than I am, so I just read what he says. And now, well, hold he, on, for the sake of the audience, who is a Lapide? Oh, so a Lapide is a Jesuit. Yes, I know a Jesuit. Jesuits, this, a good Jesuit, hey, a good hey, Jesuit. Easy. Be nice to the Jesuits. Good and holy Jesuit, a Lapide. <laughs> he is one of the greatest scriptural scholars yes. uh, that the church has ever had, and he basically collected the works of the fathers and uh, compiled it into scripture commentary. And in it, he talks about, on verse 56, about mm. then Our Lady abode with, with them for three months. Now, uh, he took this a number of different ways, but the one way that I just want to talk about briefly is the fact that she ta- he talks about how St. Jo- uh, John the Baptist was incredibly holy. And we see that at the moment that Our Lady uh, came into her presence and the child leaped in, her, in the mother's womb with joy. And Lapide goes on and says, how much holier did he get being in the presence of Our Lady for three months more? If even at the first instant, uh, being with Our Lady and the child Jesus in her womb, Mm. he was sanctified in the womb. uh, How much more was staying with him for three months, which prepared John the Baptist for his uh, journey to be uh, the forerunner of our Lord? Yeah, we were talking to uh, Father Donald Calloway yesterday about St. Joseph and his great humility. Um, you know, the three, the three theories about St. Joseph, the third one, the one that I love and the one that Father Calloway took is that Joseph was young, strong, virile, and humble and didn't feel up to the task of being guardian protector of the Gibirah and the Messiah incarnate. So 
I just love these passages. I love to meditate on them, and so should you. But don't go anywhere. We're going to come back with the What's Concerning Us segment. And later in the show, uh, Dana Chang from Epic Times will be on with us. All China. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Unbelievers often reject religion because it sometimes causes conflict. They'll say, science will fly you to the moon, religion will fly you into buildings. Is this a rational basis for rejecting religion? The answer is no, and here's the reason. First, just because something causes conflict doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. For example, many wars have been fought over land. Does this mean we should do away with the right to private property? I don't think so. Second, the objection doesn't specify which religions cause war. It may belong to the essence of some religions to spread its message by the sword, and these we should reject, but it doesn't belong to all religions. So, to the question, should I reject religion because it causes conflict? The answer is no. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the lives of the saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. My name is Joe McLean, I'm your host, hanging out with Emily Alcarez and our producer on the ones and twos, Adrian Fonseca. Whatever that is. <laughs> DJ reference, look it up, Google it for crying out loud. Uh, all right, so uh, this is the What's Concerning Us section of the show in the first hour, where Dana Chang, our, uh, our guest this hour, will be coming up in probably another 10, 15 minutes tops. Uh, and she'll be talking about uh, China, the warning that she's trying to give to the West about the, the CCP and, and all of its uh, tentacles, you know, that are now in and thoroughly uh, invaded into the West. We'll be discussing that in the guest segment coming up in the hour. But in this What's Concerning Us section, uh, there's several stories on my list here, Emily, that I would like to chat about. Uh, Of course, we'll we'll be discussing CCP interference within the U.S. election with with Dana, but there is uh, another round of censorship going on on uh, YouTube in particular and on Twitter. And of course, Facebook has always been up to it. Uh, so we're kind of getting used to that now. But it's the amount of money coming from this stimulus bill that's going overseas that's really blowing my mind at the moment. What's on your list? On my list, I have the vaccine and, <laughs> and the Vatican's response to it. Oh, that'll get, uh, I'm sure that'll get censored as well. Mm. Uh, so real quick on the censorship side. So I saw in uh, the Epic Times, I saw an article that says YouTube remo- removes Trump lawyers opening statement from Senate committee hearing. So remember, they you two put out that policy last week that said, listen, uh, now that we've reached past uh, December, I think it was December the 8th, the safe harbor, uh, we're no longer going to entertain videos on our platform that seem to question whether or not the election was legitimate or not. Um, so we're going to delete those. That's what their policy said. Uh, but they did also say in their policy, quote, we will remove videos claiming that a presidential candidate won the election due to a widespread software glitches or counting errors. We will begin enforcing this policy 
Uh, That was December the 9th. They go on to say, as always, news coverage and commentary on these issues can remain on our site if there's sufficient education, documentary, and scientific or artistic context, unquote. That's YouTube's official response. But they have since deleted the opening statement of an attorney at a Senate committee hearing. That's ridiculous. And if you, (laughs) it's crazy. And if you look at the, um, if you go through the names of the articles that have been written by MSNBC, CNN, they're acting as though there there's absolutely zero possibility of voter fraud, like zero percent. OK, and there are literally lawsuits being filed against people who are being caught in the act. Not to mention, we've already seen the uh, the analysis of the Dominion machines up in Michigan, that one county in Michigan that had a 68 percent error rate. When its normal operating error rate should have been point zero 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 eight percent, so massive, massive problems uh, just from that one county alone. And where there's a spark, there could be a fire. But we're not allowed to talk about that. We need to have the freedom to seek out truth, right? Exactly. And they are not even giving us that opportunity. Yeah. So the the censorship is very concerning. Like, so you didn't want the orange man to win. Fine. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Uh, you do want a fair election, don't you? Right? I mean, we all want a fair election. We want to be able to vote and, ha- and know and have confidence that this is, uh, that this is in accordance with the will of the people. But I'm not, I think there is no confidence anymore. It's gone. Right. And I think in order for us to be able to trust our voting systems, we need to be able to verify. But this censorship is not allowing us to verify and have the freedom to, to really do an investigation into to what the truth is here. I, you know, and I, I've been saying now for the last several months, uh, Facebook has been rem- had removed several of uh, the features that everybody gets on Facebook. Like one of the mm-hmm. ones that I was using all the time was watch parties to help pr- promote our, our live video streams on the platform. Right. Well, they've removed that now the last couple several months. I don't even remember what day they did that. I've asked them why, if they could give me a reason, what violation have I committed? And they never responded to that. Uh, well, I got it back briefly on the mobile i did a watch party last week well this morning i checked again it's gone again no no more watch parties for me right and i i posted the video on instagram the other day of the nurse who fainted after getting the vaccine right that was taken down that was that was actual video footage of a nurse fainting right and no and we're not even saying like why she fainted who knows we're just sharing the video and they're like don't believe your lying eyes (laughs) don't believe your lying eyes yeah i don't know why she fainted uh she had just received the covid shot and literally minutes later she's fainting that's i mean in front of the camera it seems like a coincidence to me yeah speaking of uh speaking of censorship and the vaccine that's one of the other stories in the headline news is uh and i saw this one over at uh, churchmilitant.com's website, Twitter to censor anti-COVID vaccine tweets. So this is in uh, this is a Twitter and UK Parliament team uh, going here, mashup here. So they're working together to censor anything that's negative to the the vaccine, uh, the COVID vaccine. They're going to start deleting and even blocking or deleting uh, accounts completely if you continue to suggest that the uh, vaccine may not be safe. I mean, remember all the stories coming out of the UK last week of people having temporary paralysis after taking the vaccine? Right, all those side effects. All Mm -hmm. of the allergic reactions. I mean, the FDA was doing an investigation as of Friday into all of the accounts here in the United States. So, I mean, the reality is... We should want to know 
if it is in fact not safe for all and who in fact should not get the vaccine uh, for safety purposes, right? And right now they're preparing for a second lockdown by saying that the UK is having a new strain of the COVID, of COVID that will be resistant to the vaccine. And so they're, they're setting us up for like in a few months say, Oh, everybody got the vaccine. Uh, we still have to lock down anyways because there's a new strain of the, of COVID. Yeah. Just in time for Christmas. Just in time. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, That's everyone. That's fun. Uh, but Santa got got uh got vaccinated according oh, to Fauci. Good, good for him. Oh, but I thought <laughs> oh, man, they were. I thought me. they were reserving the vaccine for minorities and those more at risk. Oh and yes. And he's white. Santa's white, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, there, there's some uh, disturbing stories that were floating around about uh, some very liberal professors that were suggesting that uh, uh, people of, of Caucasian ethnicity should not receive the vaccine. And then there's been some dust up over whether or not uh, the elderly, the ones that are in the most risk category, the ones we should have been protecting all along, not, this, not the healthy people, but the ones that are most risk, those, uh, those folks are also not yet getting some of these vaccines. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, there was actually some uh, legislation. And I, I'm not sure if it was legislation, but there were some things passed that were saying that uh, those, if you are uh, first universities, you cannot, you don't, you're not required to receive the vaccine if you are African American or other minority groups. And uh, so it's kind of strange because at the, in one side of their mouth, they say this is incredibly important. The disease is incredibly deadly. And if you don't get the vaccine, you'll probably die. But then the other side, they're like, but if you are a minority, then you don't have to take it. And uh, that's because of systemic racism. Now, now, here's my concern. OK, the body is temporal. The body will decay. Um, morality, the morality of the vaccine and the mm. Vatican approving it, even though. It has been developed using aborted fetal cells. Okay, albeit in early development, okay, does it matter? Does it matter at what stage the aborted fetal cells were used? Well, so the argument goes that because we're in a pandemic and this is an extreme emergency, you you can have remote material cooperation. It's your, so the bishop, many, yeah, so... Many bishops have come out and said this. Now the Pope has made this statement or approved a statement that got released from the Vatican. This is how it really went. It wasn't the Pope's statement. It was a statement that the Pope approved of that got released that said, okay, it's okay to take this. Because of the extreme emergency, we can have this cooperation with this evil. So and let's just say for a second that that's legitimate or true. Right? I mean, who am I to argue with the, with the Pope? Uh, however... Uh, a couple couple points here. Personally, and I love the tweet that Eric Sammons put out about this, and he, and Bishop Strickland put out another great tweet last night. I posted both to my personal Facebook uh, page or this morning, so you can check it out. Look for Joe McLean. You can find it there. But Eric Sammons on Twitter had this great tweet where he says, imagine if they created a suit that protected you from lightning strikes. And we all know how often that happens. Uh, lightning strikes. Only... They told you that it was made from the remains of Jews murdered in the Holocaust in Germany 80 years ago. Would you still wear the suit? I mean, obviously that should horrify us. And we go, no, why would I want to, why would I want to participate in something like that? Well, it's the same principle towards, uh, the, the vaccines. Why would we want to participate with these, uh, drugs 
if they were you if they used the the death the murder of innocent children to produce them no matter how long ago they were or not does not really matter that's one principle the other thing is i question whether or not we are living in an extreme emergency type of situation after all 99 point however much percent of people anywhere who are infected with this uh vac this virus they actually lived right through it even without the vaccine so if we protected the elderly and those that are most in uh, in that critical condition and we took prudential, cautious uh, measures, we don't really even need the vaccine. And therefore, why should we be approving the, the use of a vaccine that was, in fact, um, a participant with these aborted fetal DNA right. tissues? And now for some, for some perspective, um, the Black Plague in Europe wiped out around 50% of Europe's population. And that is nowhere near what we're seeing today, where the vac- the uh, the disease has a 99.8% survival rate. Well, no, actually, it's 99.998% oh, is it? survival rate. Wow. And that's with the skew data of saying that, because there have been reports of people saying that uh, someone was shot and killed, and then they also were tested positive for COVID, so they marked it as a COVID death. Wow. That's fun. Well, there you go. I mean... Uh, Again, who am I to, uh, to, to question His Holiness Pope Francis? However, comma, um, for me and my house, we're not going to get this vaccine. Now, what concerns me most about that is the, the use of the vaccine to control people uh, and movement of people. Similar to what goes on in China every single day, uh, there's much talk all over the place of using vaccines and a vaccine passport and records to control people's access to public things like transportation, for instance. Um, I certainly hope that it will not be the case in America, that we will have our liberty to to choose these things for ourselves. Um, but I, I, to be honest with you, I think we're headed down a road where we're going to be forced to do these things. So uh, I really like uh, Bishop Strickland's stance on this and Eric Salmon's stance. Well, maybe we'll just chat about him that with him in the next hour, if possible. Real quick, before we go to break, I want to switch over to this other story about uh, billions, billions with a B of dollars going to foreign aid from this uh, the stimulus bill that they're passing in Congress, you know, um, sending six hundred dollar checks to to uh, American citizens. Okay, tax paying, hardworking uh, citizens who have suffered through this uh, fifteen days to slow the spread uh, that's lasted all year. Uh, but now they're sending fifteen million dollars out of this money to democracy programs and ten dollars for gender programs to Pakistan. That's in the bill. Uh, there is $198 million going to Bangladesh, including $23.5 million to support Burmese refugees and other democracy programs. $130 million to Nepal for development and democracy programs. There's $461 million to Colombia for programs related to counter-narcotics and uh, human rights. And also immigration issues. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars going overseas instead of to Americans. We'll be right back. More breaking news and stories coming up with Catholic Drive Time next. Don't go anywhere. Plus, Dana Lang from Epic Times. Can a moral relativist object to God's goodness based on the problem of evil? The answer is no, at least when it comes to moral evil. And here's the reason. You see, moral relativism states no moral truths exist independently of the individual. That's to say what is right and wrong is relative to what the individual determines. 
Now, how can a relativist deviation from his own moral standard be considered morally evil when there's nothing to oblige him to follow his moral standard? The answer is, it can't. But if no moral evil can exist within the mental framework of moral relativism, well then obviously a relativist complaint about the problem of moral evil is useless. So the relativist either has to give up the complaint about the problem of moral evil to keep relativism, or give up relativism to keep the complaint about the problem of moral evil. The relativist can't have both. I'm Corlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Speed of Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain, hanging out with Emily Alcarez and uh, Adrian Fonseca. Uh, Dana Chang from Epoch Times will be our guest coming up in here in just about five minutes, a little less than five minutes from now. Don't forget, if you want to catch the podcast version of the show, you can do that at uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But we're also posting each hour of Catholic Drive Time independent of each other over on our YouTube channel. You can find that at youtube.com forward slash GRN online. And now breaking news and headlines with Emily Alcarez. Modernist architecture is being downgraded in the nation's capital. President Donald Trump signed an executive order on Monday that recommends classical architecture as the preferred and default architecture for public federal government buildings in Washington. The order criticizes the replacement of traditional designs with modernist ones in the 1950s. A recent survey commissioned by the National Civic Arts Society found that 72% of Americans prefer traditional architecture when it comes to federal government buildings and courthouses. The proposed Council on Improving Federal Architecture would be formed to beautify federal buildings. Pope Francis will receive the Pfizer vaccine in January. In September, Francis called for universal distribution of coronavirus vaccines insisting that the richest individuals should not be first in line to receive them. The Vatican has approved the vaccines, even though they were developed using an aborted baby's fetal cells. Japan is responding to the threat of the Chinese Communist Party. On Monday, the Japanese government approved a record defense budget of $51 billion for 2021 as part of an effort to counter security challenges posed by China. Tokyo said that it would develop new anti-ship missiles capable of targeting warships at greater distances around its southwestern Okinawa Islands. Japan has grown concerned in recent months over increased Chinese activity in the East China Sea. Pope Francis is urging the Roman Curia to confront the crisis in the Church. In his annual Christmas speech to the bishops and cardinals of the Roman Curia, the Pope stressed that this Christmas marks a time of crisis for society and for the Church. Pope Francis said that throughout the history of the Church, there has been a, quote, newness born of crisis and willed by the Spirit. The Holy Father added, quote, When the Church is viewed in terms of conflict, right versus left, progressive versus traditionalist, she becomes fragmented and polarized. 
distorting and betraying her true nature. The Pope thanked the members of the Curia and urged them to keep praying. These are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ and all thanks. Thank you, Emily, uh, for the uh, headlines. But uh, joining us right now uh, via phone call is uh, Dana Chang, the uh, vice president at Epic Times and one of their chief editors. Good morning, Dana. Yeah, hi. Hello, good morning. Thank you for being a part of our program today. Uh, We're very grateful to have you. I want to dive into talking about... Uh, China. And um, China seems to be on the march around the world. Um, we're, seeing, we're seeing aggressive behavior, obviously, with their trade war with Australia. We saw them on the border with India. We're seeing, of course, the ongoing uh, struggles with Taiwan. Uh, but uh, here in the West, I think it's just becoming more and more obvious that we could be facing a lot of trouble with the CCP uh, government in China. And I know that you were trying to give a warning to the West, and I wanted to chat about that with you. Uh, where are we at, and what are we facing? Well, um, in the last two decades, China has systematically infiltrated our country. Um, it got to the point that um, they're ready to uh, subvert the whole the whole system here. Mm. We saw some video. Um, I think it was Ginny Lang that put it out, and she still has it linked up on her Rumble account, if I'm not mistaken, of a professor uh, sort of bragging about how even with Hunter Biden uh, bragging about how they uh, they have they have all of these people in high level positions uh, that uh, that can do the will of uh, the CCP is is there any veracity to that or was he just bragging or or is this like a clear uh, video documented evidence of our current circumstances well that's the reality and a lot of American people are not aware of. It's a true reality. So China has built a whole net of they called good friend. So whenever there's a conflict with America, they can use this friend to settle any issue, of course, for China's advantage. Um, let me give an example. In in year 2001, that's almost 20 years ago, a think tank in D.C., they do all kinds of a survey, um, and the director had a conversation with me, and she said, well, within a very short period of time, we found that many people on the Hill in Congress and chief staff of Congress suddenly have Chinese girlfriend. Wow. <laughs> and they did the way is about 200 of them. And this is also true at the same time, um, a lot of CEOs of important corporations start to have Chinese girlfriend and divorce wife and marry a Chinese 30 years younger. So it's a systematic, um, systematic uh, network of honey trap. That's just one method. And over the last 20 years, China has built a lot of wealth from America, mm. basically shipped the wealth from America to China, and they use this money to corrupt many targeted VIPs. Mm. 
Uh, what about that data that got leaked of the nearly two million names of uh, CCP members, um, many of which were still living within China, but there was also many more that were living overseas and had uh, influential roles in corporate America and, as well as in, in Europe. How much of that should we be paying attention to? Is it a, just a case, could it be just a case where, you know, in order to succeed in China, you had to become a member of the party, whether you wanted to or not? Or should we be more concerned that these folks have these sort of influential roles throughout the West? Um, I have to say this situation is very dangerous um, for um, communist control Chinese people. So for those living in China, they have to be a party member to climb up the career ladder. Mm. You cannot survive while there. So they basically control all the influential people there. So that's true. So Chinese people are the biggest victim of a communist party. But at the same time, communist party used propaganda to brainwash people. So a lot of them follow the Communist Party willingly. When they come to America, they still stay in that kind of a mindset. They also have family member. They don't want to offend Communist Party. And they have opportunity to make money they want to take advantage of. And of course, they are Chinese people who immigrated to this country and really support the freedom and they, they don't want to have anything to do with the Communist Party. As a matter of fact, millions have openly announced they withdrew from the Communist Party. Wow. So Communist Party is at a very um, slippery spot. It can fall apart any day, as you say, within, you know, Within a very short period of time, it can fall apart, just like the Soviet Union. But at the same time, they are a whole group of people. They are willingly following Communist Party, and they they work in Western corporations and at the key positions. Um, I give you an example. Um, a friend of mine worked in a very uh, important pharmaceutical company and he in his group they are many Chinese so um, some of them just you know download a lot of internal important data Oof. and just went back to China and built a clone a company doing the same wow. thing so and he himself has been approached by by Chinese trying to recruit him back to China or stay here, but give give China the data. Wow! The research data. And what so are they doing with this data? Well, you basically do not need to invest to do the research, and you have the result of the development. You build a company to produce the same product, but at a much lower price and you you turn mm. around and replace American company that's how they can wipe out competitors because it's at a lower cost it's not just labor that's cheap they don't have to invest to do research 
And so they steal the technology, make the product, replace American companies. Wow. Mm. Hold that thought right there. We're speaking with Dana Chang. She is with the Epoch Times, the vice president, one of their chief editors. We're talking about China and the threat, the warning that she's giving to the West. And we should pay attention to this. Uh, but we're going to go to a break. We're going to be back here in just a couple of minutes. And we'll continue our conversation with Dana Chang. So don't go anywhere. Uh, more to come here on Catholic Drive Time. Uh, you know, I'm really curious about Falun Gong and the Uyghurs, too. And how about Hong Kong? All of that coming up the next break right after this. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order. And not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Atheists have often viewed belief in God as wishful thinking, a projection of an idea because man fears death. But is this a fair claim? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, not everyone accepts God's existence for this reason. There are many who acknowledge his existence on the grounds of reasonable arguments. Second, even if someone does believe in God for this reason, it says nothing whether or not the proposition, God exists, is true. And finally, third, the theist could turn the table and say atheists reject God simply because they're scared of a divine rule maker and don't want to submit. Obviously, this is not evidence that can be used in support of theism. So, is atheism justified because belief in God is wishful thinking? Absolutely not. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's good to be on with you. Uh, we're joined by Dana Chang from the Epoch Times. We're talking about China. Um, and the warning that we should all be paying attention to in these days. Uh, Dana, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being on again with us. Um, yes. Um, I want to talk about the ideology issue. Mm. Um, the communist concept, it's not like in the format of the Soviet Union and, and China. Um, I think um, the West have not really understand the communist concept. Um, so in, in China, uh, it cloned the uh, Soviet Union system. The communists use one group against another group. So it purposefully create a division in the society, use one group against another group so that it can seize power. So in China, is a class struggle. It used the workers and peasants against rich people. Mm. And they say, okay, so they are evil and you have to take their wealth and you have to like, um, they killed a lot of landlords and the business owners. But here in America, it's the same. It's a communist ideology. It used racist card instead of a class card. Wow. It's a racist card. Oh, you know, uh, this is not fair. They are racist. 
But to me, it's a communist concept. You just create, you create a division, and you incite hatred. You mm. use one group against another group. It's purposefully creating this so that it can seize power. It's a communist way. Now, they've done this not just in America, but they're doing this in many countries yes. all over the world. How do they sustain this this level of infiltration and activity. It, 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 in the last segment, before we went to the break, you talked about how at any moment they could uh, they could fall apart. When you said that, I was thinking, well, who that would create a hole, a vacuum. Who would fill that hole in China, and would that be good or bad? What would that look like? How do they sustain this whole thing? Well, uh, if communists fall apart. Um, China will be a free China. China has 5,000 years civilization. Mm. Communists only ruled for 70 years. Chinese people know how to rule a country. So look at Hong Kong, look at Taiwan. You know, Hong Kong is like right now is in the communist control. But for many years, Hong Kong people can rule themselves. Taiwan can rule themselves. Mm. Why don't the Chinese you know, people stand up then? I know in Hong Kong there's been massive protests, massive protests. In fact, I was looking at a story today of a protester who was shot in the chest point blank during one of them and is now living on the run, doesn't want to be uh, incarcerated for eternity. Uh, so why don't the, the, uh, the people of China, on, in mainland China, why don't they stand up and protest the actions of their government? Communist control by violence, it use two tools to them. They think most important two tools, gun and pen. Mm. Meaning mm. they can shut you, they can use violence, they can put you in jail, torture you death, just like Falun Gong people. So, uh, and then they use propaganda to brainwash. They build a war so that people cannot access the internet outside they don't know the truth wow so they are willingly follow so that's why they are like hundreds of thousands internet police they control what you say on social media they control what you say on text message on phone they totally control you so before you start to gather together they already put you in jail that's why you cannot see a million people protest in China. This this is why we've been talking about censorship a lot. And Dana, we've been following the story of Jimmy Lai from, from Hong Kong, which is controlled by the CCP. And, um, of course, just to remind our listeners, Jimmy Lai... Uh, was the creator of Apple Daily, the free, the pro-democracy newspaper, that he was um, arrested and denied bail. And so we see a lot of censorship in this country as well. It's starting to, it's on the rise. Dana, how far do you think America is from a social credit score and a um, complete censorship, just like they have in the CCP? I have to say the left media and the big corporation, big technology, uh, companies um, is very close to the communist media. Mm. It's very close. Um, the communist media is they always use lie and it's made to lie. It, and it used to control other people's 
speech and it create hatred it's not following communist party it's it's the important tool to realize its goal so it's very dangerous we're speaking with uh, Dana Chang with Epic Times, and uh, I've recently spent uh, way more time on Epic than I had in the past, and I'm glad I have. There's so many great uh, articles over there and, and uh, some very insightful information that I really encourage our audience to check out. One of the articles that I saw there, I think it was yesterday, it says, Beijing substantially involved in U.S. 2020 elections, uh, according to a China, a China analyst. Dana, let me ask you, how much do you think the CCP was involved in trying to interfere, manipulate, or have some sort of influence over the U.S. elections this last round? Um, okay, first of all, the whole mail-in thing um, used the excuse of uh, coronavirus. So without this virus from China, we won't have this uh, crazy mail-in ballot issue. Mm. And then secondly, China have consistently built a way to hack into American system. They have stored a lot of technology through this way and military technology through this way. So they have been, you know, trying to hack into American system and as we heard, I I haven't had many different um, way to verify it. Mm. But as we heard, it's not to our surprise that they have hacked into the system for this election. Wow! And of course, I have to say, Chinese people. There are many Chinese people inside China. They support Trump, <laughs> and but the Communist Party is afraid of Trump. I, I can and imagine. Many Chinese people. Many Chinese people see Trump as their hope to tear wow. down Communist Party, but the party is scared. The party, the Communist Party, is scared. Mm. Dana, we, we have. I just want to say we have four minutes left. Okay, I wanted to ask about the uh, China deal, the Vatican China deal. Dana, are you familiar with the Vatican China deal? Oh, they have always tried to. For a long time, they tried to please China. The Vatican for, for a long time, yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. They try. They try to please China, and um, let me tell a little bit of history. Stalin, when he started to rule Soviet Union, mm. they sh he shut down all the churches. Yes. And very quickly, he realized that actually it's easier to to control people through churches. Mm. So he threw, He put his people to lead the church and open the door, and then people went to the church, and it's easier for him to rule that way. And same as in China. He will not allow the independent thinking and independent choice of belief. But they will let you to go to the church and temples they control. And of course, in every religion, they place their lawyer, Communist Party member in the important position in churches. 
We're just uh, about two minutes away from having to say goodbye for the day. We're speaking with Dana Chung from uh, Epic Times about China. Last question I want uh, to ask you, Dana, is about the the uh, the Falun Gong and the, the the Uyghurs that seem to be very persecuted groups in addition to uh, Christians throughout China. Um, is is that still like going to be a major concern in the in the days and years to come for China? Or I mean, what is the status? I mean, we've heard of these camps of the Uyghurs that have been put into and their organs being harvested. You got about a minute and a half. Uh, what is the status there? The persecution of Falun Gong is the most severe persecution in history. Wow, and it's greatly underreported. When persecution started, there were a hundred million Chinese practicing Falun Gong. A hundred million. That means everyone in China knows someone or has a family member, a friend practicing Falun Gong. That's one in every 12 people. Mm. So when the persecution started, they put Falun Gong people in jail, burned all the books, and Many have been tortured to death. Mm. And later on, you know, and many work as a slave labor. And that's why the product in America can be so cheap. Wow. Slave labor. We're, we're out of time. And, I'm so sorry, Dana. We have to have you back, Dana. <laughs> we're going to have to have you come back and uh, keep us abreast of the situation. But Dana Chung from Epoch Times, thank you so much for being on with us and sharing your insights. Thank you. God bless you. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for Hour 1. If you can join us in Hour 2, we're going to have the game show. Uh, Learn a little bit about your faith. Have a nice little laugh doing it and possibly win some prizes. Plus, our guest in the next hour will be Eric Sammons to discuss the old evangelization as compared to the new one. Let's not forget about the old one. We're going to discuss that all coming in the next hour of Catholic Drive Time. If you missed this hour, be sure to catch the podcast version at grnonline.com forward slash CDT or on our YouTube channel. But on behalf of the team here, God bless you. God love you. And if you can stick around, we'll see you in the next hour. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. We have got some good news. The new version of the Guadalupe Radio Network app is out now. The new version offers big improvements with even more on the way. You'll be able to find and listen to your station no matter where you are and which of the church's teachings to accept and which to reject. You give everyone else who calls himself Catholic the right to do the same thing. For example, you believe women should be priests. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1577, it states, Only a baptized man validly receives ordination. For this reason, the ordination of women is not possible. You don't believe that. Well, that's fine. I just made this a catechism of your Catholic Church, but not mine. But remember, if you can throw doctrines out, so can everyone else who calls himself Catholic. That gives Joe Parishioner over at St. Doubting Thomas Catholic Church the right to throw out the church's social justice teachings. 
He doesn't feel like feeding the hungry, caring for the poor, and all that other bleeding heart stuff. Paragraphs 2401 to 2463. I just made this a catechism of his Catholic church, but not mine. You believe contraception is okay. Paragraph 2370 says contraception is intrinsically evil. Joe Parishioner doesn't like what the church teaches on the death penalty. Paragraphs 2364 to 65. You don't like what it teaches on these pages, pages 505 to 508. He doesn't like what it teaches on these other pages here, pages 610 to 615. Can you see what's happening? I heard it said once that there is a shortage of vocations to the priesthood in the United States, but no shortage of vocations to the papacy. If we don't believe in all of it, if we each appoint ourselves pope and throw out a doctrine here or a doctrine there, then our faith is no longer Catholic. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise hey. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you this morning. How's you doing? How's your morning going so far? How are you doing? That's what I wanted to say. Hopefully it's going well. Praise God. Hopefully whatever you have to do today is is not all that bad. Whatever you're facing today, whatever stress or anxiety that you might uh, have on your plate, we're going to be praying about that here in just a few moments. Uh, but joining me here in the studio, Emily Alcarez. Good morning to you. Morning, Joe. Praise God. You're one hour to go, and then you're on your way to your Christmas break. Are you ready for that? Oh, I'm so excited to see my family in Chicago. Yeah. All right. Well, Windy City, Chicago. Now, if you get to go to Christmas Mass, where will that be? Um, so my parents go to the Institute of Christ the King Chapel. Wonderful. Um, and so actually their church burned down, so they are raising really? money to build a new church. Yeah. They when have- did that happen? Um, I'm not sure. It was a while ago, but they've been raising money. Yikes. and they, So right now they're having mass in a tiny chapel, but that's where we'll be. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, praise God. Adrian Fonseca on the ones and twos. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I don't know why I keep looking over there. I can't even see. Yeah, you I'm hiding behind there. this ginormous <laughs> screen. <laughs> uh, good boy. And you're going to go uh, hopefully to midnight mass too. All right. Is that your Absolutely, plan? Or are you, gonna, plan. are you an early morning mass goer? Uh, both. I'll probably be going to both. I'll be trying to go to midnight mass. And then I think I'm going to be serving the 9 a.m. mass at an so Praise we'll God see. for it. And uh, we have a, a new volunteer intern for the day. Tell us who he brought with you. Uh, so my friend Leah Moreau, she's here. She's a graduate of Franciscan University, uh, bachelor's in theology and communications. Wonderful. I like to joke and say like we're pra- practically the same person. We've known each other since high school. <laughs> We've always been interested in the same things. I feel sorry for her. Good morning, Leah. Thanks for being a part of the program today. Thank you so much for having me and letting me hang out with you guys. Midnight mass or uh, early morning mass? Which is your preference? You know, when when my siblings and I were younger, we'd do the the early evening or morning, but we've been going to midnight mass for the past few years, so that's where we'll be. 
All right. Well, praise God. We hope to take in a midnight mass. We'll see. I think it's going to be kind of busy, so hopefully we'll be able to get in, but we'll see how it goes. On the show today, in this hour, we're going to have a great hour. We have the Catholic Trivia Game Show, Fear and Trembling, coming up. I have the... Uh, the questions in my hand right now, so they're going to be excellent questions. I think only one is slightly tough. The rest, I think, are fairly easy, so it should be a, a fun contest. And uh, prizes are involved. Who's our sponsor this week, by the way? So this week, our sponsor is Rough to Rustic. Mm-hmm. Um, they make custom-made wooden home decor. It's beautiful. So this week, we're going to give away a Mary's Mantle ornament that you can use as a keepsake and put on your tree every year. Wonderful. If y'all go to our Instagram page, uh, Emily posted a on our story the uh, picture of what you'll win. If you'd like to see it, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, how do they do that? At Catholic Drive Time. And what is the website to Rough to Rustic? Rough to Rustic, Rustic the number two, dot com. Rough, the number two, Rustic, dot com. Yes. Thank you, Rough to Rustic, for sponsoring this week's uh, Catholic Trivia Game Show. So if you want to be a contestant on that, you don't even need to know the answers to these questions, right? It's that easy. If you want to be a contestant, all you have to do is be the first caller at 877-757-9424. And uh, you will be up and uh, ready to go at 877-757-9424. Later in this hour, coming up in just about 30 minutes from now, Eric Sammons will be our guest on the program. Now, uh, Eric is going to be talking about the old evangelization and why that's not an old thing that needed to go away, but a thing that we need to bring back in greater force. We'll be discussing that with Eric in this show as well. So all of that, plus breaking news, the saint of the day, the gospel day, all that coming your way here on Catholic Drive Time. Let's begin with prayer. Bring your intentions together, or I'm going to be praying for our team, our equipment, our our radio apostolate to share the good, the true, and the beautiful through uh, the powerful means of Catholic Radio. And uh, whatever you're praying for, whatever your intentions for your family, for your work, or for your life, medical, physical, spiritual, whatever they may be, let's unite uh, these intentions, bring them to the Queen of Heaven and Earth, that she may whisper them into the ear of her Son, and He may draw us ever so more intimately into His most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known. That anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. On Monday, Congress passed a $900 billion COVID-19 relief bill. The relief package includes a $600 direct stimulus payment to most Americans. Congress also passed a $1.4 trillion annual federal spending package to keep the federal government funded for another year, totaling $2.3 trillion. The year-end government funding package that includes the COVID-19 relief comes to 5,593 pages, by far the longest bill ever. If the bill is signed by President Trump, a government shutdown would be averted. A group of anti-lockdown pro-Trump protesters forced their way into the Oregon Capitol on Monday. The Daily Mail reported some of the protesters gathered outside the Capitol were armed with black rifles and handguns. Photos in the article show a woman armed with a U.S. flag on a pitchfork. Reports indicate that the police had to use pepper spray and arrested at least two people during the demonstration. A new strain of COVID-19 has been detected now in Australia. 
The new mutant strain that has forced the United Kingdom to go into lockdown was also detected in Australia in late November, according to the New South Wales health officials. The newly appointed chief medical officer for Australia, Dr. Paul Kelly, said on Tuesday that the coronavirus has been continuously undergoing thousands of mutations since its discovery. Kelly explained the UK strain, which is currently circulating the southeast United Kingdom, has some particular mutations related to the spike protein, which could cause issues with the vaccines. Australia will not be closing the border to the UK, although all Australians returning to the UK have to undergo 14 days of mandatory hotel quarantine. In a controversial statement on Monday, the Vatican gave its stamp of approval to the new coronavirus vaccines. The Vatican Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith stated that it is morally acceptable to receive COVID-19 vaccines, even if they've been produced using cell lines from aborted fetuses. The statement specified that in countries where vaccines without ethical problems are unavailable to physicians and patients, or where their distribution is more difficult due to special storage or transport conditions, then vaccines made using the cells of aborted babies are okay. Aborted fetal cells were used in tests during the early stages of the mRNA vaccines developed by both Moderna and Pfizer. These are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Blessed Thomas Holland, pray for us. Born in 1600 in Lancashire, England. Uh, his father, a landed gentleman, so probably uh, didn't have to suffer for much. However, he was sent overseas to France and to Spain to study. Uh, he did join the Jesuits in 1621 and eventually was ordained in 1624. He was a parish priest and uh, spiritual director for, I think it was a decade in Belgium. But in 1634, he did find his way back to his home country, to England. At the time, 17th century, uh, very anti-Catholic King Henry VIII and his daughter Elizabeth were per- had persecuted uh, many Catholics and made it illegal to practice to your faith, to be a Catholic priest, and... Uh, and it was a very difficult situation. And the Jesuits had a mighty heroic effort to evangelize England at the time. Uh, I love the book, A Hunted Priest, the memoirs of a Catholic Jesuit priest of the time describing the, the circumstances, their hair raising. Well, uh, Blessed Thomas Holland was a master of disguise, actually. Uh, spoke flawless French, Spanish, and Flemish. And he could fool many people. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Blessed Miguel Pro in Mexico in the 1920s, who this, did the same thing, uh, wore disguises to uh, to fool the uh, the federales uh, from being arrested, and he would provide the sacraments, hear confessions, marry people, that kind of thing. And uh, and you might remember, if you're as old as I am, you might remember the television show The A-Team. Remember Hannibal was a master of disguise? Kind of reminded me of that. But on October the 4th, 1642, he was, in fact, arrested. He refused to participate in the trial and the proceedings, and they uh, convicted him of being a Catholic priest. That was his crime, being a Catholic priest, and he was sentenced to death. While he awaited his execution, he simply used the opportunity to share the good, the true, and the beautiful, the power of the Catholic faith towards salvation of souls uh, to the prisoners there. And then, of course, on 12 December 1642, he was hung, drawn, and quartered uh, in Tyburn, London, England. 
Blessed Thomas Holland, pray for us. And the gospel of the day comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. I'm going to read from the Douay Rheims, just because. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, because he hath regarded the humility of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Because he that is mighty hath done great things to me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is from generation unto generation to them that fear him. He hath showed might in his arm. He scattered the proud in the conceit of their heart. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath received Israel, his servant, being mindful of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months, and she returned to her own house. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, in all things. Uh, one of the reasons why I read from the Douay Rams is because I particularly am very fond of verse 46. And I just like the way it's worded there. Um, a little better than I like it from the NAB, which is the version that you would hear proclaimed at Holy Mass. And in that version, it would be said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. But in the Douay Rams, it says, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And I just, I think that, that, that version to me is much more powerful. And I like the fact that the Douay Rames comes straight from the Latin Vulgate, which is, uh, was, uh, that incredible translation given to us by Saint Jerome himself after studying with the rabbis in, in Jerusalem and in, uh, in the Holy Land. At any rate, I really like the, the vision that this puts into my mind of her soul magnifying the Lord. Think of the sun and the moon. The moon reflects the rays. The brightness of the moon is a, simply a reflection of the, of the light of the sun, right? So, Our Lady is purely and perfectly reflecting the light of Christ, her Son, of God, her Savior, as she proclaims here. And I just think it's so beautiful, this image of her soul magnifying the Lord. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we might be good and holy and pious people. And we all know people like that. I am not one of them. However, we know people like that. But even still, if we're honest, I think we could, we could probably admit that our souls probably don't magnify the Lord and uh, unlike Mary, as she is just truly special in that way. In fact, the humility it would take to say, all generations shall call me blessed, I think is a testament to how special she, in fact, truly was. And uh, so, just chew on that today. Does your soul magnify the Lord? I wish mine did, at least more so. Adrian, what say you? Awesome, yeah. So, uh, rapid fire because we have to go to a break in a couple seconds. So, uh, I always take from a Lapide. So, a Lapide is one of the uh, great uh, scripture theologians who compiled the church fathers to talk about scripture. And in it, he talks about how Our Lady went and abode with the, uh, with Elizabeth and John the Baptist for three months. And he talks about how 
holy St. Elizabeth and John the Baptist would have become because even at the first instance of them coming into their presence, they were made uh, holy. And St. John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb and was sanctified then. So three months in the presence of the holiness yeah. of Our Lady and of the child Jesus uh, right. would have made them all much more holier. Just like we said yesterday from Second Samuel 6, the Ark of the Covenant spent three months in uh, in the uh, the Gentiles' house because David uh, was trying to bring the ark up and Uzziah touched it and died. Uh, so three months the ark spent in the house in the hill country, and it's a great parallel to these Absolutely. passages. Absolutely. And uh, right now we have to go to a break, but I'm checking the calls, and we have no calls yet, which means the next person in line and the phone calls will be our guest. So if you want to be a guest on our show, that's 877-757-9424. So if you want to be our first caller, we will We'll take your call and we will be on the game show. That's 877-757-9424. All right. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. The game show is coming up next. It's a wonderful opportunity to learn a little bit about your faith, to have a nice little laugh in the process and possibly win some prizes. And the kicker is you don't even need to know the answers to the questions. If you'd like a chance at that, call right now, 877-757-9424. Super easy. It's a lot of fun. 877 877- 777-9424. Game show's coming up next. We'll be right back. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, the sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... 
Joe McClain. Welcome back to Fear and Trembling. That gets me every time. The the intro from uh, our buddy Mike Romano. Thank so you for doing fun. that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. All right, so welcome back to Fear and Trembling. It's that uh, trivia game show, best ever on Catholic Radio, I would say, where you learn a little bit about your faith, you have a nice little laugh while you're doing it, and you may win some prizes, and you don't even need to know uh, the questions, the answers to the questions, because we don't ask the uh, the caller the questions. No, we ask Emily, we ask Adrian the questions. One of them has to have a right answer, and the other one has a wrong answer. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to uh, decide who do they want to choose. They want to go with Adrian, or they want to go with Emily. 50-50 shot at it, and if they get it right, they get a shot at going into the uh, coffee cup of divine providence, that we are calling it, and it's a, a chance to to win the prizes. Now, Tell them what they could win, Emily. Today's sponsor is Rough to Rustic. They make uh, handmade wooden carved decor, and we're giving away a Mary's Mantle ornament that you can put on your tree every year. All right, that sounds pretty interesting. Actually, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to get some pictures and put them up on our uh, on our feed. Right, you said Instagram. Right, if you want to see it, it's a really pretty ornament. I actually love it. It we're gonna put photos up on Instagram and Twitter. So follow us at, at Catholic Drive Time. All right, at Catholic Drive Time. Let's go to the calls. Uh, Monica calling from Houston. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to Jesus. Thanks for getting up and being a part of the program. Thank you. Now, Monica, uh, let's see. Before we jump into the game show today, uh, where what parish do you do you uh, attend? Uh, St. Francis Cabrini in Houston. Very nice. Oh, wonderful. Wasn't it just her feast day? Yes. Yeah. And also, that's where I was baptized. Wonderful. Hey. Now, our, Monica, our midnight mass, early morning mass, what's your preference this year? Well, our parish isn't offering the Midnight Mass, so we are going to go to the Early Morning Mass. Early Morning Mass. Well, praise be to Jesus. Uh, what a wonderful and exciting opportunity to celebrate uh, the incarnation of Christ. Uh, wow, what an opportunity. So, mm-hmm. uh, do you understand the rules of how the game is played? Are you ready to go, Monica? I am. All right. Praise God. As is our custom, we start with Emily. Emily, are you ready? Absolutely. Now, I promise uh, only one of these questions is, is super hard. Oh, you always say that, Joe. Or is it super easy? I forget. I forget. But uh, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Here we go. On what day are candles blessed? Now, don't pull an Adrian and give me a circular answer on this. On what day (laughs) are candles blessed? Well... I could go to my priest any day and ask him to bless it. <laughs> Hashtag true story. And However, I, comma. I do see my priest on Sunday, so I'm going to go with Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> on the next available Sunday? Yes. Right, is that really your answer? Yes. That's your final answer. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Sunday. Okay, Sunday. Adrian, let's try you. Uh, on what day are candles blessed? Okay, are you asking me the exact date? Or are you asking me, like, what is the celebration called? What an astute question. Uh, Emily, I hope you're paying attention. Uh, uh, so we're asking about a specific day of the calendar. Okay. On what day are candles blessed? February 2nd, which is Candlemas. Wow. Seems very specific. All right. Adrian's that on the board. That makes a lot more sense. Adrian's on the board for February the 2nd, Candlemas. And Emily's on the board for the next available Sunday. 15 <laughs> seconds on the clock. Monica, who's right? Who's wrong? What say you? Adrian. <laughs> 
I, I, boy, this one's a stretch. Let's see. Survey says I didn't see that coming at all. Wow. <laughs> I just didn't see that coming. Congratulations, Monica. You're already in the uh, coffee cup of divine providence. So uh, our sponsor this week is Rough to Rustic, and you could possibly win a very cool ornament. Uh, but you get two more chances to increase your opportunities. Are you ready to go? All right, Adrian, we're going to start with you. This is the one that could possibly be tricky. Uh, so uh, be- get oh, ready. Here you go. I have a feeling I'm going to get this wrong. Adrian, who is buried in the Valley of Moab? The Valley of Moab, as opposed to the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Or Gehenna. You can have options, but the one we're looking for is Moab. Okay. Who is buried in the Valley of Moab? Okay. King David is buried in the Valley of Kings. Uh, in the Valley of Moab is Moses, I think. Are I think you sure? I'm going to go with Moses. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Emily, let's try you. Uh, Emily, who is buried in the Valley of Moab? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? You don't um, recall at all? It, it sounds... You know what? Give it a guess. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to guess on this one. Okay. I'll go with Abraham. Abraham. Hmm. Mm, seems plausible. Abraham yeah. or Moses. So a- Emily is on the board for Abraham. A- Adrian is on the board for Moses. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Monica, what say you? Um. Uh, Adrian. Survey says, "Wow, <laughs> see, That's two for two so far." Now, be honest, Monica. Did you have you you were guessing there, right? You, you weren't sure. It was a fifty-fifty shot. Complete guess. But you did <laughs> great. See, it's easy. Even lucky, guesses lucky can come guess. up. Good. <laughs> Praise God. Congratulations. So you now have your second opportunity to win this two week's for two. prize. Congratulations. Third question. This one, I think, is fairly easy. Fairly easy. We're gonna go back to you, Emily. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Those who have died and been chosen as the object of special devotion are called what? All right, I have to get at least one right today. Um, <laughs> this this one seems fairly easy, though. Seems it seems uh, it. It would seem it. You have a devotion to patron saints. Okay. So, so is that your answer? Patron saints. Yeah. Are you patron sure? Patron saint. Mm-hmm. You want to phone a friend? Not today. Not, Not today. on this one. You seem very confident. Mm-hmm. Are we allowed to do that? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Adrian, Adrian, let's try. Although you have a friend sitting next to you, but you're not allowed to ask. Okay, Adrian, what say you? Uh, those who have died and been chosen as the object of special devotion are called what? All right, let's see. Okay, so you you kind of hinted towards like it might not be the obvious answer. So patron saint <laughs> seems correct. The so I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm okay. going to say they're relics because, you know, relics, relics are objects of devotion. So relic died and then uh, <laughs> is now the, the object of a special devotion. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, the relics are part of the saints. Anyway. Okay. So Adrian is on the board for relics. Emily is on the board for patron saints. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Monica, what say you? Emily. Survey says... Yeah! Congratulations! Wow. Three for three. Way to Perfect go, Monica. Score, Monica. Wow, congratulations. How do you feel? Blessed. 
<laughs> That's good. Well, we're very happy that you called in today to be a part of our game show, and you now have three opportunities to win the uh, the, the special ornament from rough2rustic.com, right? That's right. All right. Mm-hmm. Monica, God bless you. God love you. Merry Christmas to you, and thanks for being a part of the show. Merry Christmas. Thank you. All right. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to put you on hold, Monica, so we can get your information in case uh, you are the name that we pull out of the hat on, I think it's uh, Wednesday. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So stick around for that. But Eric Sammons is going to be our guest here in just a few minutes after the breaking news and headlines on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. These are your Tuesday morning headlines. Modernist architecture is being downgraded in the nation's capital. President Donald Trump signed an executive order on Monday that recommends classical architecture as the preferred and default architecture for public federal government buildings in Washington. The order criticizes the replacement of traditional designs with modernist ones in the 1950s. A recent survey commissioned by the National Civic Arts Society found that 72% of Americans prefer traditional architecture when it comes to federal government buildings and courthouses. The proposed Council on Improving Federal Architecture would be formed to beautify federal buildings. Pope Francis will receive the Pfizer vaccine in January. In September, Francis called for universal distribution of coronavirus vaccines insisting that the richest individuals should not be the first in line to receive them. The Vatican has approved the vaccines, even though they were developed using an aborted baby's fetal cells. Japan is responding to the threat of the Chinese Communist Party. 
On Monday, the Japanese government approved a record defense budget of $51 billion for 2021 as part of an effort to counter security challenges posed by China. Tokyo said that it would develop new anti ship missiles capable of targeting warships at greater distances around its southwestern Okinawa Islands. Japan has grown concerned in recent months over increased Chinese activity in the East China Sea. On Monday, Congress passed a $900 billion COVID 19 relief bill. The relief package includes a $600 direct stimulus payment to most Americans. Congress also passed a $1.4 trillion annual federal spending package to keep the federal government funded for another year. Totaling $2.3 trillion, the year end government funding package that includes the COVID 19 relief comes to 5,593 pages, by far the longest bill ever. If the bill is signed by President Trump, a government shutdown would be averted. Pope Francis is urging the Roman Curia to confront the crisis in the church. In his annual Christmas speech to the bishops and cardinals, the Pope stressed that this Christmas marks a time of crisis for society and for the church. Pope Francis said that throughout the history of the church, there has been a quote, newness born of crisis and willed by the Spirit. The Holy Father added, quote, When the church is viewed in terms of conflict, right versus left, progressive versus traditionalist, she becomes fragmented and polarized, distorting and betraying her true nature. The Pope thanked the members of the Curia and urged them to keep praying. These are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you very much,、uh, Emily, for reading the、uh, breaking stories and headlines for us today on the show. And don't forget, if you want to catch the podcast version of this, just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We also break up each of the hours independently on YouTube. So you can go to youtube.com forward slash grnonline and you can find the individual hours there as well. Plus, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and I'm even Posting to Parlor these days, so you can check me out on Parlor at Catholic Hack. But joining us right now by Zoom chat is、uh, the self proclaimed dad of Catholic Twitter,、uh, Eric Sammons. Good morning, Eric. Thanks for being a part of our program. Good morning. I do want to say I didn't、uh, self proclaim it, I was given that title and I embraced it.、Though. You embraced it, lovely. Well, we're going to have to have a conversation because Twitter's out of control, Dad. Okay, so I think, I think some people. I know I'm not doing a great job, am I? The kids are just very unruly these days. Twitter is a blood sport. It needs, it needs, a, it needs some time out, is what it needs. But,、uh, exactly right. Exactly right. But that's not why we're here today. Eric,、uh, I'm grateful you're on the program today. We're, we're talking about the old event. Evangelization. You know, with、uh, the last couple of decades, we've sort of focused on the new evangelization. Maybe we can start by making distinctions. What is the new versus the old? Eric Sammons. Well, the new evangelization, the, the term comes from、uh, John Paul II, Pope John Paul II.、Uh, and it was the idea that he understood, and most Catholics,、uh, faithful Catholics understood, especially in the 1980s, something was wrong. That the changes that had been made in the 1960s had not、uh, resulted in what people had hoped they'd result in this new、uh, flowering of the faith, that people would be becoming Catholic and, and the Catholic Church would be a leader in the world. In fact, the exact opposite was happening. People were leaving in droves,、mm. and the church's witness to the world was decreasing. And so his idea was we need something new. And so that was the original idea. But what's happened is over time, The term new evangelization has become this umbrella term 
that involves just any new idea somebody has. Like, okay, we're gonna we we're in a completely different situation, so we're just gonna do things completely different than we've ever done it before, and we're gonna call that new evangelization. Mm. And I don't think that was John Paul II's intention when he came up with the term, but that's what it's become in fact. And so when I wrote the book Old Evangelization, my idea was simple. It was just the idea that you know the church has been evangelizing for over 1900 years before the 1960s and it had a lot of success i mean if you look at for example the jesuit missionaries going to the new world all the you know going to the every end of the earth i mean the, it was the church that of course evangelized europe and so all these things we should look back and see okay how was it done by them and even more particularly i want to go back to the source how did Jesus himself evangelize? And when we look at the model of Jesus, we see that's how the great evangelists, like a St. Paul or St. Francis Xavier, how they evangelized. So we use that to basically return to our roots and how we've evangelized in the past. And I believe, even though the world changes in many ways, people are the same. And so I believe that the old evangelization would still work today. I got to be honest. Um, the last, I don't know, five years or whatever, it seems like there's been an uptick on uh, experimentations. I'm using air quotes here. Experimentations of, of reaching and and meeting people where they're at. I mean, Pope Francis. Uh, one of the first things that he said as, as as Pope was to smell like the sheep, encouraging priests to smell like the sheep. And I think that's a fine statement to smell like the sheep, meeting them where they're at. But I, it seems to me that on the on the whole, we have forgotten that. Our job doesn't end when we meet them where they're at, that we are supposed to continue to take them where they're supposed to go, uh, thus to, towards uh, Christ and salvation. What say you, Eric Sammons? Well, absolutely. So if you see somebody in the gutter, you might have to go down into the gutter to get them. And so you're meeting them where they're at. But you don't live down there with them. Or you mm. don't say, hey, you know, you're doing great down here. I'll see you later. <laughs> Instead, what you do is you pick them up and you yeah. bring them out of the gutter and you help them. You do whatever you can help them. It's like the Good Samaritan didn't just say, hey, I'm going to sit there uh, with you. You've been you've been beat up. You're there on the side of the road. Mm. Good job. boy. Keep at it and then walk away. No, what you do is you, you take them, put them on your donkey, you take them to the end, you get them taken care of. And I do think that's exactly one of the biggest problems we have is that there's such the idea that the church needs to be like the world in order to evangelize the world, but if you think about it, that really makes no sense. Why should we try to be, if we're going to be like the world, why would the world have any desire to be like us? Mm -hmm. Because we're being like them. And so it, 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 it just makes no sense. But that is the argument. In fact, that's the argument for a lot of things that have happened over the past few decades. The church is like, okay, we need to tone down certain aspects of the faith, certain aspects of how we worship, all these different factors so that will be less offensive, perhaps, or, or, or less confusing to the outside world. But the problem is then when we become like them, they have no incentive to be interested in us. They're like, well, they're just like us, so why, why should I bother becoming Catholic if I can just live the way I am now and I'm just like them? So, Eric, we've been talking a lot about censorship here. How do you evangelize to a culture that doesn't even want you to have a voice? <laughs> well, that that is the challenge. I mean, you know, we were just talking about Twitter, and of course— as soon as you start going into certain subjects on Twitter, you will automatically get shut down. I think what it, I think really what it is is that 
first of all, the primary way we evangelize is person to person in real life. Now I am sounding like the, the old dad, you know, get off my lawn, you know, this new technology. But obviously I embrace the new technology. Each green bean, darn it. Yeah. That's right, exactly. <laughs> but the truth is that the most powerful evangelization is always person to person. Mm. And in real in real life isn't as easily censored as stuff that big tech controls. So I'd say that's the first thing is evangelizing your circle of influence, meaning the people you're around the most, your family, your neighbors, your friends, mm. those that you have actual personal contact with. That's the that's the primary way to evangelize. And that's very difficult to censor uh, through some type of third party. It, uh, it's possible, but not, it's more difficult. And I think what we do is we just proclaim the truth the best we can. We try to adapt if we can uh, when it comes to censorship. But I, I noticed you mentioned that you were on Parler and that's an example where we might just have to move around. I mean, it might be where Twitter becomes a, a situation where you just simply can't proclaim the gospel anymore, well, and we all get kicked off. Parlor is an interesting topic because, yeah, you're right. If you're a conservative, if you want to espouse conservative uh, a voice, an opinion, you're welcome to do that on Parlor. But if you espouse an opinion that says transgenderism is harmful to the people who are living in that situation and uh, detrimental to, to society at large, they'll censor you there as well. We've already seen some of that going on in Parlor. So, I mean, censorship is a thing even on Parlor. Right. And I do think... In any centralized uh, technology, meaning that it has one organization that controls it, is always going to end up being, uh, it's going to have censorship involved. And mm. it's going to have people that are uh, beholden to uh, certain powers that are going to be against Catholicism. I also think, I'm, I'm into technology as well, I used to be a computer programmer, that there are some exciting new technologies coming out that are more decentralized where you'll have a, pl a social media platform that's not controlled by anybody. Mm. And you actually do the settings of what you are allowed, what you want to see and don't see. Now, there's troubles with that because there's no censorship of, of pornography or evil, things like that. But yeah. it might be a situation where that might be where we just are are heading mm. and it might be the best possible scenario where we just are in a situation where because you can censor if you can censor porn, you can also censor uh, Catholicism, mm -hmm. and obviously we want the former and we don't want the latter. And so it mm. just we're, we're, when you live in a society that's as bad off as we are, you get lumped in with pornography. I mean, frankly, you know, and that's yeah. what happens. Uh, that, that that's the evil that we live in. Um, but I think those are are, are the challenges. Uh, and I personally think we just have to boldly proclaim these things, even if we end up getting censored. Eric, mm -hmm. so we uh, we have three minutes before we have to go to break. But uh, I had a question in regards. I read your book back in 2017 uh, when it came out, and I was wondering how has your ideas developed over the last three years? A lot has changed in the church. A lot has changed in the world. Um, how how has your ideas developed or changed since uh, writing the book? That's a great question. In fact, I was just thinking the other day, what would have been like if I wrote this book today mm -hmm. compared to three years ago? And I think it would have had the same themes, but honestly, I think I would have been more blunt and direct that we also have to address the problems in the church. Uh, the McCarrick scandal came uh, a year after this book was written, and that really, I, I kind of say, radicalized me in a certain sense that we need to, to stop tiptoeing around on the real and, and serious problems inside the church, because I think those are very harmful evangelization. A lot of people say we, we're not, we shouldn't speak out against those things because that harms our witness, that 
people will see things are wrong in the Catholic Church. They won't want to become Catholic. I personally think it's it's literally the exact opposite. If we ignore these problems or try to shove them under the rug, people are smart. They see that. Yeah. You don't want to have anything to do with that type of organization. Why would you want to be part of an organization that sweeps evil under the rug right. or acts like it's not there? So I think yeah. today I would change it only to say I would be more forthright about the fact that we need to, to explicitly condemn evil when it's in the church instead of tiptoeing around, no matter who does it, even if it's a cardinal, for example, like Cardinal McCarrick. Yeah, we're talking with Eric Sammons. EricSammons.com is his website. We're talking about the old evangelization and uh, the uh, the challenges facing the church to carry out its mission to uh, evangelize the whole world, to go to the four corners to make disciples. Now, I see that you're a convert, Eric, and I, too, am a convert to the church. I grew up in the Church of Christ. Uh, it's a pretty much uh, agnostic hedon, though, for many, many years. And once I had a conversion experience and I gave my my fiat, if you will, to the Catholic Church, I recall um, just thinking very naively that we're all on the same page. We're all on the same team and we all think alike. And then two things happened. I realized that not every Catholic believed in the dignity of the human person from conception. And that shocked me. Like, how could you not? Like, that seems really strange to me. And then the second thing that shocked me was the Boston sex abuse scandal that broke in 01. And I was like, wait, there are priests involved in what again? Like, this, like it was just mind-twisting to me to, to realize these things. Did you experience anything similar to that? We have about a minute, I think, before we go to break. Yeah, I, I converted about 10 years before the Boston scandal, and it definitely was uh, an eye-opener. That was an eye-opener. I actually, one of the reasons I converted was because of the pro-life witness of the church. And so when I saw Catholics who were not really standing up for the unborn, mm. uh, then that really did, uh, that, that that was scandalous to me. Uh, but it never really, since I had been Catholic about 10 years before the Boston thing happened, I had already kind of seen problems in the church. Now that was still eye-opening for me. But it didn't really shake my faith in, in the in the church itself. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought right there, Eric. Sorry to cut you off, but we got to go to break. We're going to come right back, continue our conversation with Eric Sammons. Uh, you can find more information about him at ericsammons.com. But that's coming up on the other side of the break right here on Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We'll be right back. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. 
Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Welcome back to Captain Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. By the way, tomorrow morning, we're going to have a great program starting at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Uh, John Sorensen from Catholic Answers is going to be on to defend the traditional date of December the 25th as the birthday of Christ. Did you know there's a defense that could be made? Well, tune in tomorrow morning to get that. All coming up on Catholic Drive Time tomorrow. But right now, we're speaking with Eric Sammons, ericsammons.com. And you can also find him over on Twitter at Eric. R. Sammons, and uh, he is the, the dad of Catholic Twitter, which is in desperate need of some time out. It's been so vitriolic lately. Uh, Eric, welcome back to the show. I'm trying to do my best. Yeah. I'm going to have to start handing out punishments, I think. I, I think so. I think so, for sure. Uh, you know, I, but doesn't that just speak to the condition of our, of our deterioration in the evangelization of souls? I mean, when, whenever I speak out in, in defense of, of traditional marriage or abortion or anything that, that smells of anything conservative, all of a sudden, you know, the, uh, the hate mail starts coming in, so to speak, or the, the Twitters fly or whatever. Um, but I, have we forgotten we are supposed to, by mandate of Christ himself, to, to uh, disciple the entire world? I, I think we've forgotten this. I think our cancel culture that we live in has really impacted each of us, I think subconsciously, because what happens is we see how whenever somebody speaks out just a little bit, they just get a, a famous person, they get slammed. And so we don't want that to happen to us. So, for example, like a year ago when J.K. Rowling, the, the author of Harry Potter books, who's not some conservative Catholic by any stretch of the <laughs> Not at all, yeah. But she did say something that was basically uh, against transgenderism. And it wasn't even that strong. It was just, but it was a nice, I mean, it was good. I mean, I was, I was glad to mm-hmm. see her do it. Well, she just got slammed so hard. I mean, there was literal book burnings of the Harry Potter books for this. <laughs> and it was just unbelievable that this happened. But we see that. We see this happen all the time. And so we think, oh, if we say something publicly that that might lead to that in our, we might lose our job, we might be shamed, we might lose friends, we might lose uh, our relationship with our family members. And I feel like this is a, a real impact on evangelization. I've seen it actually for, you know, over 20 some years of doing this. I've seen this. It's just getting worse and worse where we hold back what we're saying because we're only concerned about what, how the other person will react. Yeah. When the truth is, we don't control how somebody else reacts. We only control mm. how we, what we say and how we say it. So yes, we should always say things charitably. That is very important. But charitably does not mean that you don't say the truth. Mm. Right. In mm-hmm. fact, charity demands often in many situations that you have to say that an uncomfortable truth. Well, the, we're always thinking ahead. about the other person's reaction. But we need to be thinking, what, how do I say it? What do I need to say? Right. And keeping this all in mind, we were talking about Twitter. Is it possible to evangelize on social media? I think we've all seen those Facebook fights that people get into. That was exactly going to be my question. Right. Yeah. Is it even possible <laughs> to evangelize well and effectively on social media? Or evangelize with memes as the new evangelization? <laughs> <With> memes. <laughs> yeah. I actually think it is. I know a lot of people say, oh, nobody's ever converted or ever changes their mind based on social media, but that's just not true. I know people who have been that have started, they, they've seen things on Facebook or Twitter and they have changed their view on something. So I do think it is possible. In fact, I think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary everybody be on social media. In fact, I think if social media is bad for your spiritual life, 
get the heck away from it. Amen. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the same time, I do think some people are called to be there because that is where people are. And that is where evangelization needs to happen. We need to go out into the street, so to speak, smell like the sheep and be with people and, and evangelize to them. Now, the key is it's difficult to do because social media is inherently uh, it's anti-human in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because you can't have these relationships. You don't see the facial cues. You don't see, you don't know the people. You don't have deep relationships. It's just like these it's just like these little pictures on a, on a screen is is all of a sudden the entire person. And so it's very easy then to treat them like a picture on a screen yeah. rather than as a human person. And that's yeah. the real challenge that I think most of us fail at times and we just try harder and harder not to fail and to treat every person we see as a, every person we interact with on, on social media as a real person. Like one thing I do is when somebody attacks me on Twitter or wherever, mm-hmm. I always tell myself, okay, I have to say a prayer for them. It yeah. can just mm-hmm. be a quick Hail Mary or something. Yeah. But that then allows my reaction to be not one of just anger and, and, and quick response, but think, okay, this is a human person. And they're attacking me for some reason. Probably they have some hurt or some something wrong in their life. Mm-hmm. And so I need to, to re- remember that when I respond to them. Now, I might fight back i'm not this doesn't mean we just sit back and allow people to attack us we never say anything but we do it with the sense of okay i'm trying to bring this person to conversion i'm not trying to defeat them in some with some cute social media quip or something like that this is why this is why he's the dad of catholic twitter that's great advice (laughs) and uh, i had another question so a lot of people have been coming to me and saying that it's become very difficult to evangelize because of all the problems that the church has right now the corruption the scandal so um when we ourselves don't quite understand as lay people what is going on in the church, mm. what do we have to offer to people who um, are looking at the church and saying, why should I join? I think the first thing we have to do is we have to give a personal witness. This is fundamental to all evangelization. You see, St. Paul did this all the time. What does he do? He talks about how he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He persecuted the Christians. He's giving his personal testimony of what Jesus did in his life. And I think if we're living as as Catholics and we're trying our best to be faithful, then we're dealing with all these problems. How do we deal with it? How is it that you live your faith? Why do you still go to Mass? Well, if you explain it to somebody else, they see, okay, it is possible to to bring together a life of faith, a life of prayer, uh, of the sacraments, in conjunction with this evil that's going on in the church. And so I think you just explain how you deal with it, how you personally are able to continue to live a life of faith, even though uh, bishops and priests and even the Pope at times are doing things that are contrary to the Catholic faith. I think when you you're a, when you explain your own uh, witness, I think people uh, respect that and they understand that. I, it's definitely a difficulty, especially in what we do here and in this radio apostolate. Uh, sharing the good, the true, and the beautiful, and then having to explain, you know, uh, the, uh, the term Pope-splaining has become a thing <laughs> since 2013. And, uh, you know, uh, God love uh, His Holiness Pope Francis, right? We pray for Pope Francis every single day. But the reality is there are very confusing things that are happening at the high- highest levels of the church that make it much more difficult for us to have to, uh, to, have to uh, do what we do and explain some of these things. Um, 
So moving forward, we have about, uh, I guess, five minutes left in our program before we have to say goodbye to Eric Sammons here. Moving forward, what do you see is the, is the future? What's five, ten years down the road, Eric, uh, in, especially as it pertains to evangelization? I'm thinking about, you know, we live in archdioceses that are massive now, uh, all over the country, and the world even. And yet, I would imagine that if I polled the audience right now and I asked them, pop quiz, who is the director of evangelization and your diocese. Or how about this? What is the plan to evangelize your city that you live in? I bet if I'm a, if I'm a betting man, I bet they wouldn't even know the answer to either one of those questions. Eric, uh, in that circumstance, how do we move forward? What's the future? Well, okay, the evangelization comes from the root word evangel uh, evangelize, which is a Greek word that means share the good news. So it means the good news. However, my answer is going to be, I think we're going to see a lot of bad news. I honestly <laughs> <Thanks>. believe you. <laughs> Aren't you awesome? <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> Good morning, Kathleen. He's, he's definitely not the fun dad from the neighborhood. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. But I honestly do believe that 10 years from now, so in 2030, I really do think, and I'm talking, I can only speak in my own experience, which is America, so I, I can't speak of mm. other continents or countries. But I do think that in America, at least, that the Catholic Church in 10 years will be much, much, much smaller than it is today. Mm. I've looked at the numbers, I've studied them in depth, and what we see is we saw a decline starting around 1970 in, for example, infant baptisms, mm. but it stayed somewhat steady until about 2000, and then it started to just fall off a cliff. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was the first generation that was raised completely uh, post-Vatican II. I also think it has to do with the abuse scandal that, of course, came out early you know, 2001, 2002. But what we're seeing is this drop is just astronomical uh, in the past. It, it, we've almost cut the number of infant baptisms in America in half in the past 20 years. Insane. And, and that's, that is insane. And so I, do, I honestly think that's going to continue. And I think, for example, this past year uh, with COVID, with the witness of the bishops and shutting down all the masses, public masses for a long time, still having so many restrictions. And I know we can debate all, all the, the prudence of that. But I think what we've done is we've said as a church that mass is not essential. Mm. And I think people hear that subconsciously or consciously, they hear that. Mm -hmm. And I think fewer and fewer people will go to mass. So I honestly do believe we're, we're in a situation where in the next 10 years or so, things are going to get bad. Now, <laughs> to try to have some good news in that story. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I do think these are opportunities in which we can really strengthen the faith and have a, a dedicated core. I mean, uh, Pope Benedict, uh, years before when he was just Father Ratzinger, he predicted this, and I think it was 1970-ish, around mm -hmm. the late 1960s, he predicted exactly this would happen. And I think he was absolutely right. And he was saying, but what happens is, is in that death, which is really what it is, it's a death, we have a seed, though, that then grows that can become, it can flourish and become a, a, vi a truly vibrant, dynamic Catholic church. Mm. But I do think a death is necessary because, honestly, we have to get rid of a lot of the, well, a lot of the crap, um, to be honest, uh, of the past uh, uh, decades. And I think that is going to happen All naturally. Right. A lot of that stuff's going to be fall away. But then from that, I really think we can have the, the means of a very... Uh, the phoenix shall rise Amen. from the ashes. There's hope. There's hope. We're going to cut you off there, Eric Sammons from ericsammons.com or Eric R. Sammons on Twitter. God love you. God bless you. Thanks for being a part of our program today. Thank you. 
All right, that's going to do it for the show, Emily. Uh, congratulations, you you made it back two days now, and now you're off to for Christmas. <laughs> I'll be back next week, I promise. <laughs> all right, Leah, thanks for uh, video switching for us today. Adrian Fonseca for producing all of us here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for being a part of our program. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, John Sorensen is going to be on to give a defense for the actual day of December the 25th as the historical birthday of Jesus Christ. That's tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., and then Ryan Grant from Mediatrics Press will be on in the second hour, plus the game show, all that coming up tomorrow morning. We'll see you there. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.